Hello and welcome to another episode of On The Couch. On The Couch is your go-to weekly exploration of lifestyle, psychology, relationships and all things mental health. I'm your host, Sharice. In today's episode, I'm going to explore relationships with my special guest, Nush. The experience of love, belonging and connection to others is at the root of existence. Theories suggest people are motivated by five basic categories of need. Feeling loved and accepted is one of those psychological needs. Having social and intimate connections is related to better physical health. Conversely, feeling isolated has negative consequences for health and well-being. We're going to look closely at attachment. So what is attachment? Attachment is a lasting psychological connectedness between human beings. Attachment and connection can be disrupted through trauma and adverse life experiences. Studies on adult attachment indicate that attachment processes play a key role in the nature and severity of individuals' responses to traumatic events. Several factors may influence your attachment style. Illness, parental substance misuse, divorce, single parenthood and negative life events are factors that can influence a change towards attachment insecurity. It has been proposed that insecure attachment may be a risk factor in the development of generalised anxiety disorder. Adult attachment styles refer to systematic patterns of expectation, belief and emotions concerning the availability and responsiveness of our partners and loved ones during distressing times. It is never too late to improve your attachment styles. This can be done by developing interpersonal effectiveness skills. These skills enable us to attend to our relationships, balance priorities versus demands, balance wants and shoulds in relationships. It allows to build a sense of control and mastery over one's life and self-respect. During this episode, we're also going to look at love languages, This is a concept that was developed by Dr. Gary Chapman and he puts forward that relationships grow better when we understand each other. So today we are here with the lovely Nush. Hello, that's me. Today's podcast, we're going to explore relationships and what relationships mean to you, how you feel about them if they impact on your mental health, that sort of thing. So tell me a little bit about your early experiences of relationships, Nush. Yeah, so I mean, I would say from my younger years, I wasn't really a relationship type. Obviously, I had relationships with friends, um, very close relationships with friends, um, and obviously family. Intimacy-wise, I wasn't really a kind of relationship type. I would kind of was... I think more casual, getting to know people, getting to know kind of the opposite sex and the opposite gender through friendship. However, I did or have been in a relationship since 23, still in the relationship now. Um, So yeah, I would say that my early years of kind of relationships was more around friendships, really. Okay, so you've been in a relationship since, do you say 20? 23. So what's it been like getting into a relationship so young? I think for me, it was initially having an interest, obviously at that age, that is very different to maybe what I am interested in now, what the initial attraction was, obviously, you know, what you what you want in the opposite sex is very different when you're younger to as you grow. For me, it was really maybe the physical attraction. It's quite sad to say, but it was kind of the financial attraction, the lifestyle that got me as well, kind of luxurious lifestyle. 
as kind of relationships developed and we've matured, I think obviously, um, yeah, the kind of interests or the kind of demands or that things that you need from a relationship also develop and kind of change. Yeah, so they change over time, don't they? Yeah, yeah, precisely. So if you think about the 23-year-old you, what were some of your values then in terms of relationship? You touched a little bit on lifestyle and luxury. Finding somebody that had similar interests to me, finding somebody that I was able to relate to. When I say similar interests, I mean like music wise, um, culture wise, lifestyle wise, so like similar hobbies such as maybe eating out, kind of going, listening to kind of similar music or going to bars. Somebody that I'm able to kind of relate to, so like through language, somebody that kind of, I suppose at the time was able to kind of maybe stimulate me to be a better version of myself through what maybe I thought at the age of 23 would have been a better version of myself if that makes sense yeah Um, and the social and cultural aspect of it yeah I think that was a big main thing at that age yeah okay and if you think about you as yourself now what are some of your values loyalty is a key thing for me um you know loyalty through loyalty you get trust you get respect so I think these are key foundations communication is a massive thing for me as well being able to communicate kind of understand the other person understand their perspective understand their view I would also say kind of family is a massive value for me, especially in a relationship and being able to share a similar trait with my partner or or that my partner would share that same value. Treating others how how you'd want to be treated is also a kind of massive value for me that I would kind of not live by, but you know, that that kind of is a philosophy that I kind of go by. So yeah, I think now my values are massively kind of in line with my integrity and what I would want as kind of not only to be how I would want to be perceived, but also kind of, you know, how I would want to treat people and how I would want others to treat me. So you talked about values, loyalty, respect, communication. If your partner doesn't have the same values as you, how would you overcome that? It's very difficult um, and I found it quite challenging in my personal kind of opinion and in my personal experience to overcome. I mean, initially it's communication as well and it's having that awareness of, you know, each other's cultural backgrounds, each other's childhood, each other's bringing up. And if there's somewhere in the middle that you can meet or if you can compromise, being considerate of the other person's um, feelings and the other person's kind of emotion. So I think it's massively about compromise really and, and meeting halfway, but having an understanding and an awareness of, you know, the other person's values and how maybe your behaviour or your attitudes can impact that and their feelings. Yeah. So that sounds a lot like about negotiation, equal give and take, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Do you think your values, your family values, you talked about traditional values, are they similar to yours now as an adult or have they changed over time? If I'm relating it back to childhood and family values, I think massively my values as a family are very much kind of what I would like to have or what I kind of in line myself with now. I mean, I grew up in a kind of family unit and I would very much want that for myself and for my future and, you know, to have children and kind of, you know, have that family kind of foundation. So I think, yeah, the the values from my childhood as I'm kind of becoming an adult and kind of going into my adult life are very much becoming more apparent. And um, yeah, I'm kind of, I think, seeking some of those similar values and similar experiences. Do you know much about attachment? Um, I've heard a lot about attachment. I know that there is kind of healthy and unhealthy attachment. I haven't done too much kind of 
studying into this, I touch on this again with kind of work, but not too deep. My experience isn't necessarily in that kind of field. Um, But yeah, I think my awareness is kind of the unhealthy and the healthy attachments and how these kind of styles can be triggered from childhood and abandonment. Um, I think I have a basic understanding. And what would a healthy relationship look like to you or what would it mean to you, healthy relationships? Communication, understanding, compromise, being able to kind of, you know, build an empire or build a foundation, have similar values um, and traditions and beliefs that you can bring together. And yeah, I think just being a kind of unit working together to develop and progress and build. um, So a partnership and a team in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And what about what are some of the unhelpful parts of relationships or some of the things that might lead you to frustration in an intimate relationship? I think abuse is um, a major one. Obviously, we know that abuse isn't only physical, so I think emotional, psychological harm, infidelity, a lack of kind of personal stimulation or personal kind of awareness. Yeah, so you're not getting your needs met in the relationship or you're not understanding what you need or articulating it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You said about abuse and infidelity. Is that something that puts a barrier in a relationship that do you think it can be repaired once those kind of things happen? Or do you think that you can overcome those? I think it depends, obviously, what what it is. Um, And obviously the severity, I think, in terms of abuse, it's very difficult, I think, to overcome when there has been a kind of boundary that's been crossed. At the end of the day, your partner is somebody that's supposed to make you feel kind of safe and secure. So I think when the actual opposite is caused, it triggers harm and fear. And so I think sometimes it can be very difficult. And I suppose it involves cooperation as well. If I mean, if a partner is unfaithful or is abusive and they don't really care about what their actions or their behaviour, it's different than if someone is apologetic about it and wants to change. Absolutely. I mean, I think, like you said, it it all comes down to the person's awareness and the person's, you know, want to kind of a repair and rebuild and kind of show that they're they're sorry and, and the kind of awareness of how much that's impacted the other person, as opposed to kind of being negligent to that and kind of ignorant and not really wanting to understand or have an awareness and just kind of continue that behavior. So like repeating the cycle in a way. Yeah. So also, do you know anything about love languages? Because I know you read a lot of books. Have you ever heard of that concept of love languages? Um, I have. I've heard I've heard a lot about that. I mean, I think my love language has probably changed from the last time I maybe did my love language kind of not test, but test or um so to say. Um yeah. so yeah, I think I'm aware of love languages. When you were 23, it might have been receiving gifts or something like that. I think when I was 23, it may have been initially physical. um, Physical touch. Physical touch. Mm -hmm. I think now it has got to receiving gifts and the love language being through gifts and kind of materialistic and kind of, yes, I think that's the way that the love is kind of reassured as opposed to maybe, yeah, when I was 23, I think it would have been slightly different. And is that something that you okay with or no I think it's something that I'm personally not okay with and trying to now 
now that I'm aware, kind of trying to work on, it is kind of a battle that I'm in at the moment. Because I mean, I never used to be somebody that was kind of focused on this or somebody that kind of spoke that language, so to say. But now I feel as though having been in a relationship for eight years, yeah, it's kind of molded me in a way to say that that probably is the way I communicate in love. And people's priorities change, don't they, over time? Yeah, yeah, I think they do, for the better or for the worse. And if we think about being in lockdown and the pandemic, what impact can that have on relationships, do you think? Have you noticed any changes? Yeah, I think it can either have negative or positive impact. I mean, for me personally, it feels like I've been through 12 years of marriage in in 12 months. Um, So it's been a bit of a roller coaster then? Very much. Um, But I think for some people, you know, it it can either show you that, you know, you it can solidify, you know, what you stand for, your relationship, that you can overcome something as a couple or as a unit or as a partnership. And for some people, I think it kind of highlights that maybe there is that incompatibleness that maybe cannot be overcome and that maybe, you know, that you're not as, you know, maybe in tune with each other as you may have thought you were or, you know, it's not as easy as you may have thought it would be. So it can kind of shine a light on your relationship and amplify problems, but also highlight positives as well at the same time. Precisely. I mean, I think it has the um, ability to go either way, really. And I think it just depends on where you are, where your relationship is, you know, for it to depend on on kind of the impact that it will have. And it could even have a bit of both, you know, it could have a bit of positive and a bit of a negative impact. But in my experience, I feel like it's been quite intense. And obviously through work as well, I know that it has had quite a negative impact on just some of the clients that I work with. It can feel quite suffocating, I think. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? So you do work with people that are victims and perpetrators of domestic violence. So what have you noticed over these last 12 months? Yeah, I think that we've seen an increase in obviously violence, in particular kind of physical violence within homes and kind of intimate relationships. I think there's been a massive increase. Obviously, a lot of the country's been furloughed, so a lot of people aren't working. So there's been a lot of structure and routine to days. And I think that people are um, maybe using substances a lot more than they maybe would have not been before had they been working. And I think that that's also impacted the kind of ability for there to be such a kind of negative impact in the relationship. Um, I think that also, you know, that the fact that maybe we're stuck inside, women have not been able to, or, or even men sometimes haven't been able to access support services that maybe they would have been linked in with before. So yeah, I think there's also been an increase in financial pressures in relationships, um, especially, you know, for a lot of men, sometimes women are maybe not working or maybe looking after the children. So I think men, if they're, you know, traditional breadwinners of the family, there's a kind of pressure that's been put on men to kind of still be able to provide without the same circumstances or the same ability to do so so yeah I think it's had all sorts of impacts really the key thing is that also you know when there's children involved it's not only the individuals in the relationship that are being affected and it's also the the children that are being exposed to it as well yeah absolutely and it's about having an insight the impacts you know on the children um, that may be involved or may be witnessing or kind of living in, in these kind of circumstances so has it been difficult for you to work in that environment It has been difficult to work in the environment. It's been very demanding. I don't only work with perpetrators, I also work with victims. So there's been, you know, a few occasions where we've had kind of crisis situations and it's been quite challenging where there's obviously at the moment services having to work remotely and services not operating to their kind of full function 
prior to the lockdown, it's quite challenging to be able to access the support that these people might need at the time of kind of urgency. Such as refuges and things like that. Precisely, refuges, um, emergency accommodation, so anything of the sort. So, yeah, it has been difficult because, you know, sometimes you would be able to redirect someone somewhere, but during the time of lockdown, the service may be closed or they may be operating remotely. So it's quite difficult to be able to support some people during crisis situations. But also working with perpetrators, I think it's quite difficult when you, you know, when you go away and you know that somebody is going back they may have an awareness, but they haven't yet maybe addressed that behaviour or they haven't met maybe not had learned. access to programmes at that time and stuff like that. Precisely. So then it kind of, you know, you're, you you also have that anxiety as to, you know, whether, you know, anything could happen at any moment. Um, so yeah, I think the pressure has definitely increased during this period. I think it's been very challenging. I think staff are feeling quite inundated and stressed out at the moment. And obviously we're working with reduced staff, we're working on kind of rotors. And so, yeah, we don't necessarily have the same support networks as we may have before with senior management. Yeah. So what do you do in terms of self-care? How would you balance that work-life balance when you're struggling with this intense environment? Um, Well, I read. For me, one of my kind of my time to unwind is having a nice bath, candles, having a cheeky drink, reading a book. Um, So are you reading anything good at the moment? Well, I've just finished Queenie, which I would really, really recommend. Actually, speaking of relationships, it's a book based on an interracial relationship. So a black woman who's dating a white man and about Mm -hmm. kind of the cultural issues, about kind of, I think as well, her understanding of herself during the relationship. Yeah, I would definitely recommend. I don't want to give too much away, (laughs) but I would definitely recommend reading the book. I'm now moving on to the 5am club by Robin Sharma. So that will be my next read, which I will begin this evening. So I think it's important to look after yourself. I also enjoy walking the dog. I think that's a good time for me to kind of reflect on my thoughts, reflect on my day, strategize and and see, you know, how best if I've kind of not neglected something, but if I want to deal with something, it's kind of how I will think about how I will deal with it or how I will kind of address the issue. Talking to friends um, and having obviously the support networks is really, really important as well. Yoga, I also enjoy doing a bit of yoga every every now and again. So yeah, I think there's a there's a um, a few things that we can do, but I think self care is massively important. And also, you know, me nails, getting my nails done, and kind of treating myself. And going back to Queenie, I know you can't give us like, the ending of it. What is a message that you've taken from the book Queenie? It would be that I think you need to, before you can love somebody properly and commit to somebody properly, it would be to love yourself first. Yeah. Know yourself first. Have an idea of your self-worth, your value, before you open up yourself to anybody so that you what you were in a position where they can only elevate. Because the first most important relationship is with yourself, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think what was very good about Queenie is um, is is the kind of context in which is written. It's fiction, so it's very relatable. It's very kind of up to date with the kind of language, time. So yeah, I think it's an opportunity to challenge the mind and get you thinking, but in a way that maybe isn't so direct, if that makes sense. Yeah, because sometimes therapy can be exposing and challenging, where as if you're reading a book, it's like a third person. It's separating yeah. yourself, but being able to relate to it at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in terms of honesty in relationships? I think honesty is a massive thing. In a lot of cases, maybe 
men struggle to be honest with women in some cases men might commit themselves or find that they've committed themselves in a situation where they may not necessarily know how to fulfill that commitment and find that they're in a kind of compromising situation and don't necessarily know how to maybe communicate and and I think if men were able to maybe understand the importance of the communication um yeah this might kind of prevent a lot of women may be thinking that if the situation isn't what it is or not having an understanding of the relationship, really. Do you think that it is, because we're talking about it from a female perspective, do you think it is gender specific or do you think that can happen in other relationships? No, I think it can happen in other relationships. I think it's not gender specific at all. I think it obviously, again, it starts with being able to communicate effectively and, and having an awareness of yourself, your value, your integrity, your intentions, your morals. And it's about being honest and open and that open communication and allowing that person to make a choice, really. Yeah, yeah, it is, definitely. And the transparency, if somebody wants something casual, then it's about allowing that person to make that decision. Like, look, I want a casual relationship. And then the other person can say, yes, I do want that. Or no, I don't want that because that's not my values. It's being able to have that control and kind of, yeah, like you said, being able to make that decision and not kind of be blindsided into something that it may not be. In the age of social media tinder instant gratification in terms of relationship being able to swipe and just get what you want do you think people are more fickle about relationships or don't take them as seriously yeah i think social media tinder have all bought maybe i don't want to say as generations go on but the kind of real definition of a relationship or a partnership I think is being lost through tinder and social media where there is so much temptation where the values are blurred and kind of lost you know if you don't like the way that somebody looks you swipe left but actually you know when we when we look beneath the surface some of the best relationships have been built on you know that connection and that spark so I think yeah I think social media and tinder and all these apps unnecessarily promoting the worst side of relationships or promoting that relationships are based on a person's looks or you know how many followers a person may have or how popular a person is so yeah I think these things are all very disproportionate in kind of the real world so the expectations and the images of attractiveness and that kind of thing yeah think it's all very fake and you know it's kind of drilled in people that this is what beautiful is and this is what we should be looking at and this is the standard that we should be aiming for whereas you know we know that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes and forms and everything and so I think these things are necessarily not the best influence or don't have the best influence. What would be some of your goals moving forward? So awareness of oneself, awareness of one's values somebody that's able to stimulate challenge appropriately stimulate and challenge you know your views and your beliefs somebody you know they say has your back somebody that knows what to say and kind of how to say it provide that reassurance and support in a way and what about self-esteem in relationships I think it's important to be lover for yourself If you're going into a situation and you're thinking that, you know, you don't deserve anything and you're not worth anything, you're going to settle for very little. So I think it's about rating ourselves very highly and what we demand and setting that boundary and obviously ensuring that anybody that we let into our energy can kind of match us on that. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, obviously, we learn a lot about relationships from parents, from friends, from family. 
Do you think it's a responsibility of schools to teach more about relationships? Do you think there's enough education around relationships when people are younger? I don't think that there is. I think schools, well, I know from my experience at school, we spoke about sex education in maybe one or two classes. But I think, yeah, there is that. I think there should be that um, onus on schools to kind of begin to introduce healthy relationships, be it same sex, be it, you know, opposite sex, whatever it might be you know, what a healthy relationship looks like, you know, how to love yourself, um, you know, what values you bring to a relationship. And, you know, so that that foundation is already kind of began so that as women and men grow up and mature, that awareness is there and kind of that can just develop. Because we're not taught, we're kind of figuring it out along the way, aren't we? I think we figure it out a lot through experience. And I think a lot of the time, even when we are taught things, we have to kind of experience something to be able to kind of have an understanding. But I think if we're able to, through experience, have that background knowledge, a lot of the time you have that light bulb moment where you're like, oh, I remember when somebody said that, or I remember when they said that, and you're able to kind of relate knowledge or the theory to the experience. So I think hand in hand, I think having that foundation from a young age and knowing what a healthy relationship relationship is and being shown what healthy relationships are through friends, family, grandparents, you know, aunties, uncles. I think it's a whole community actually. So it's everybody's responsibility to raise this awareness. Yeah, I think it is everybody's responsibility. And I think, you know, a lot of the time we live in situations where as well, um, people are aware that, you know, people are in situations where there is harm and people hear neighbours arguing and necessarily don't really do anything. It, again, it is it is everybody's responsibility. So talking about relationships a little bit more, do you think it's a good idea to get friends involved in relationship issues when you're having difficulties? It depends on really, you know, the, the relationship with your friends and how strong that relationship is you know as to how transparent they may feel that they can be with you because I think in some cases um, and I'm talking from you know personal experience I've been in situations where you know I may have opened up to a friend or two you know for the one of wanting to hear the fact that they're going to tell me something that I want to hear and I think based on the fact that the relationship has got so much strength you know they've maybe been a little bit more open and transparent about maybe what I needed to hear at the time and not what I wanted to hear. So I think it can really be a kind of double-edged sword because I think when your friends have your best interests at heart, they're not necessarily always going to tell you what you want to hear. And sometimes they're going to tell you what you need to hear. And so I think you you have to be in a position where, you know, you're able to to know that sometimes what they're saying isn't coming from a, a bad or a harmful place. It's coming mm. from actually a place of care and a place of kind of sincerity. So I, I think it is a good thing, um, but you have to be in a position to be able to receive. You have to be able to receive that, whether it's something you want to hear, something you don't want to hear. So, yeah, I think that in my experience, um, that's what I've learned. <laughs> So it's about balancing the perspective and, and, you know, weighing up the options in terms of what you do and then making a choice for yourself. So getting the opinion of friends, but knowing that it might not be right for you at that time. Yeah, precisely. And it might not be what, what you want to hear, but actually, you know, you've accessed your friends, you've used them for the support that they're there to give you. They may be able to go through kind of alternative options with you. And at the time you've obviously, you know, chosen whatever option is best for you. Yeah. Use, lean on, access. Um, friends are very, very important. And have you got any final words of wisdom, Nush? Oh, final words of wisdom. I would say love yourself before you can love anybody else. Love yourself and self-care, I think, are my final, my final words. 
thank you very much for that Nush and thank you very much for your time and being here with me thank you for tuning in to another episode of on the couch you can access this podcast on many platforms including spotify and make sure you mark your calendars for saturday because that's when new episodes air 